Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm Brett McGrath. You already know that. It's Friday. Hobby hustle. This is the highlight of my week, y'all. This fuels me, gets me excited. I learn. I learn just like each and every one of you. And this is what I decided to do on this one. Remember a couple episodes ago when I talk about my top 10 favorite Instagram accounts in the hobby right now? I grabbed two of those dudes from that list, brought them on the pod, and wanted to have a conversation because I wanted to learn more about how they got to where they are right now. I brought on my man, Kevin, at Captain 37 and my man, Robert, at That's the Old Price to talk about their Peyton, Brady, Mahomes collecting, what they're doing, how they're operating, their buying and selling, just insights. This one's packed full of insights on how to obtain really, really nice cards. And that's what I'm in the game of right now. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to learn how to move up that ladder. And these two guys I view as two of the top football card collectors that I follow in the hobby right now. So I am really excited to bring this one to you. Before we jump into the conversation, you know I got got the plugs, man. If you like what you're hearing on this show, Tell a friend, tell a damn friend in the hobby. Tell them to just subscribe to Stacking Slabs. I'm assuming you already are subscribed. If you're not, hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review if you think I'm doing a good job. Follow me across all social channels. Instagram, man, I am so just, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing the interactions I'm having on a day-to-day basis. So make sure you're hitting that follow button. Get on that Starstock train already. What are you doing? Those cards are that are sitting underneath your futon aren't going anywhere. You don't care about them if they're sitting under your futon. You got some rookies in there? There's an easy way to sell those to help fund your big boy purchases. Send those into Starstock. Use promo code SLAPS to get $5 off. Good way to support the show. Make sure you're doing that. And while you're at it, if you're trying to get your whole game right, go check out Card Ladder. My favorite platform to check out my collection. I view it as the heartbeat of the hobby right now. It's just an incredible place. www.tinyurl backslash stacking slabs. It's a good place to go. It's a good place to support the show. All right, enough with the plugs. Let's jump into the conversation. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hobby Hustle. I have two of my favorite collectors that I've come across on IG with me today. I did an episode a couple weeks ago where I gave a top 10 list and messaged these guys. And I figured, why not have a little breakout and hear their story? So I'm excited to be joined by Kevin, who goes by DeCaptain37 on IG, and Robert, who goes by that That's the Old Price, which I, I love that handle um, on IG today. Kevin, Robert, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yep, same. Thanks for having me on. 
Definitely. So I think like just in following both of you, I think there's a lot that I have picked up and tried to learn about your strategies along the way. Obviously, you both are kind of big football collectors. You have some big cards. And for me, I think in a lot of people that I'm engaging with on a regular basis, people are stuck in kind of this prism mode and maybe they're getting into serial numbered cards and maybe they're trying to figure out uh, how to get certain slab cards. So I'm curious, like first and foremost, maybe we can start with you, Kevin. What has been your approach just along the years? I know you're focused on specific players, but what has been your approach with collecting in the hobby? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a guy who prefers the the low pop rare stuff. You know, I think that this whole trend that's gone toward base and, and things like that is you know, we've kind of seen how the market has slid down tremendously in those areas. So I, I think people who, you know, invest in rare stuff, low pop stuff, I, I think those are always going to be the ones that are going to hold more value in the long run. You know, I'm kind of drawn towards shiny stuff, refractors, prisms, naturally. Um, I mean, when I was younger and started collecting, when I was like seven or eight, I was always drawn to the shiny stuff. You know, I was telling you about my, my Peyton Manning super fractor story and things like that. So naturally as an adult now, I, I'm, I'm still drawn to that stuff. So it's nice that that market's kind of seen an uptick. Um, like the older refractors of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, it's kind of you know, where I hang my hat, so to speak. So started getting into basketball a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm good friends with MC Sports Cards, and he was always telling me, you know, man, you got to get into basketball. The basketball market's crazy, and I wish I had gotten in sooner, but it, it's definitely much different markets. That That's for sure. I'm learning a lot. Um, I've started getting into basketball probably like a year and a half ago. So it's also kept it fun for me, too, because, you know, Tom Brady can be pretty expensive when you're trying to make new pickups, you know, so it, it's nice to be able to dabble in another market and learn about that and, you know, meet new collectors along the way. So. Yeah, definitely. And I think just in your collection is unique, just in terms of the focus on Manning and Brady. And I was quite surprised when uh, you messaged me telling me that like it started with Peyton and kind of uh, Brady came second. Um, So we'll definitely get into that, but I want to kick it uh, over to Robert in terms of, You've got some big boy Mahomes cards. I'm curious, just like your approach, your story. Um, how did it start and how did you get kind of those big cards where you're at today? Yeah, so actually um, a very similar approach. Big one-on-one guy, jersey number, and low pop. If it comes down to it, I would take scarcity of card or print run over population. But I'm a, a big fan, particularly of BGS 10s and black labels, because um, there tend to really ever only be a few of those, um, as opposed to like a PSA 10 pop, for example. Uh, my dad's actually from Boston, so I grew up a Patriots fan. And I, I remember buying a lot of uh, Brady cards really after three Super Bowls for you know pennies on the dollar to where they are today. I, I think you touched on it on your last episode. I moved to London um, about seven years ago. and kind of stopped collecting. It was really expensive living there. So I sold out of um, my 8.5 championship ticket contenders, Tom Brady for 5k. My BGS 9.5.5 away um, Bowman Chrome Refractor, my BGS 9 contenders 0.5 away. But uh, you know, it it is what it is. And, you know, going through that, um, that era of watching Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, that's what kind of pulled me into my home. So, you know, I'm not going to go buy a, a champ ticket Brady for 500K now. Um, that ship's kind of sailed. But when I look at Mahomes, he's kind of a combination of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I'd say he has Peyton Manning's gaudy stat line, regular season wins, you know, both for Tom and Peyton. 
and Peyton's brand. He's all over TV. He is a brand himself. And he has Brady's killer instinct. And what really solidified that for me was the playoffs this year. Massive, um, you know, hole he had to dig himself out of, uh, I think, in, in two of the, the playoff games, including the, uh, the Super Bowl. And it's like, you know, didn't even phase him, came back, you know, got it done. And, and that's what I think, you know, hobby-wise really separates you know, your average guys that kind of go up and down year over year, you know, number two, three, four, and five in the pecking order, you know, all the way down to 10 versus the Tom Brady, you know, which is, you know, a, a huge holder of value kind of long-term and, and Peyton Manning's there as well. But that's, you know, what kind of pushed me to, uh, to Mahomes. And I'll tell you, I got back into cards about a year ago, probably this time last year, I had, you know, no more than I don't know, 10, 15K in cards invested. I never spent more than than four or five K on a card. It was, I think, probably the championship ticket years ago. Um, I bought for for four K the Brady. But when the Mahomes, uh, my first big card pickup was mid-January, the Mahomes 15 of 15 National Treasures. And kind of fell right around bonus time with work. Uh, I flipped a big Lamar Jackson card. And I paid 43K for that card. Like it was, you know, a mega, you're like, I'm not doing it often, right? It's not, that's, that's not my area, but you know, I figured, Hey, I'm going to overpay. I think I actually bid like over 60K for it, which was way higher than what current value was. But when attacking these big cards, I think you have to be aggressive because, you know, you might overpay in the short term, but it kind of corrects itself really quickly. And I'd say I've kind of, um, you know, proven that on, on that particular pickup. So there's so much to unpack with what you just said. I think I want to start. I think this is something both Kevin and Robert, both of you can probably talk about, but like you mentioned the championship ticket, the Brady sale. And if people were driving and they heard the the price you got for that, they'd probably be off the road right now, but you say it. So like matter of factly, and it happened and it's like, whatever, like move on to the next. Can you, Maybe both of you, maybe we start with Kevin first, but like talk about those moments where you you have to you sell something and just because you want the cash because you want to go buy another card, but you you look back and you you might be thousands of dollars out on it. What, what is your perspective in terms of navigating the hobby and how do you handle that on a regular basis? What's your mentality? I don't keep what I call an ex-girlfriend folder when it comes to sports cards. Because if I did, you know, I wouldn't have a story like Robert has with the champ ticket, but I mean, this, if you're on the hobby long enough, you're all, you're always going to have those stories where you sold a card worth X and now it's worth 40 times X. So, I mean, you know, I got a, I got a couple of buddies who definitely keep their, their flicker folder of all the cards they sold in the past. They go back and look all the time and they feel bad. I'm like, I'm just not going to do that, man. It's a hobby for me. You know I mean? If I, if I, if I thought about that on a daily basis, it would make me miserable. And that's not what the point of this is. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, especially if you're in this and you know, you're not somebody who's super, you know, rich and things like that. You can't afford to keep every card. I mean, a lot of times if I want a big card, I got to sell some stuff I have to afford that. And I think that 95% of the hobbies in that similar boat. So you really, you, you can't look back because if you do, you, you're going to make yourself sick. So, you know, but Hey, it, there's, there's great stories. I mean, actually I, I set up at a local show in Massachusetts and um, a guy had a similar story to what Robert said about the champ ticket, but he sold his for two grand. So, you know, that was about a year ago. So, and he's just, I'm like, hey, man, you know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, this, this, can't go back in time. If we had a time machine, we all be rich. So, you know, there's not much you can do there. So, 
Totally. And and Robert, you've obviously pulled yourself out of that one and you're you're gunning right now on the Mahomes side. But with the with the Brady champ ticket, that's a car that I think is just such a prevalent, not prevalent, but just that is a big card in the hobby, right? You still see it on IG. People still talk about it. You see it's up for auction. What like what is going what what goes on in your head every time you see that card now? So the funny thing is, um, when I when I stopped doing cards for a while, I mean, I really outside of the stuff I uh, couldn't move. Um, I kind of had like a massive sale when I I moved to London, you know, over the course of a few months, and a few things just didn't sell, so I ended up you know keeping them. I I obviously wish it would have happened with the uh, the champ ticket, but you know I I think you you can't really dwell on it um it's kind of like when the good quarterbacks throw a pick and they get right back in the game and throw a touchdown um or the ones that you know kind of ruins the rest of their game you know it's it's not pokemon i don't have any pokemon you can't keep them all um you know not a millionaire uh you know hope to maybe be one day but it's just you know if something comes in something's got to go out eventually um and i go through pockets of time now where you know i i'm i'm buying 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 um uh you know maybe you know putting all my money in from work or I flip something big and then, you know, I don't get a sale for three months and it's, it's, it's unsustainable unless you literally have a, a, a kind of, you know, just make a pot of money, you know, sitting around, but um, you, you have to kind of learn from those things. Um, and, and just because I sold it at 5k, you know, there's been a fundamental shift in the card market. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at it as like the last six months, last year, last two years, but really the last like, five or six years. Um, you know, if I didn't sell that card at 5k, I would have probably sold it at 10. If I didn't sell it at 10, I would have sold it at 20. Would I have had the foresight to hold that card from 5k to 400k at, at the point in time, you know, when that card, so he had three rings, I sold it for 5k. He won this fourth against Seattle. I, I don't know what it went to then, but it was nowhere near 400. And then all of a sudden the card market blows up and he's, you know, not just tied or chasing Montana, but he's the solidified goat. But I think you touched on it on your, your kind of last podcast um, or the, the one where you kind of talked about my account. I'm not going to do that with my Mahomes Black Prism Finite. So I'll sell every single, I'll get out of cards completely and I'll sell equities and whatever before that card gets sold. And that that's a fact. I mean, that's that's one where I say it's not for sale. You know, everything has a price, but I wouldn't sell it for anywhere near whatever other people perceive it to be as current market value now. I mean, I told you I, I'll overpay for stuff. So, you know, I bid bid 60 on a card that I got for 40. Um, I'm working on the the 2018 Mahomes National Treasures Base Rainbow. I bid 1200 on a card Saturday that I won for 200. Um, and, and, and I know how that goes when I want something. And that's why I try and acquire that type of card, you know, when, when it's time to sell and, and, and you touched on it earlier, that that's my handle. That's why I like to buy the low pop, the rare cards and the Jersey numbers, because you can't get comped out. So, you know, someone tells me, Oh, well, I see you just bought it for 500. Will you take 600, you know, 500 is the old price. The new price now is a thousand or 1500. And it's, it's not even being, you know, um, rude about it but you know when you you buy something you know it's not a perfect market so you get something cheap you get a, an auction that ends at 3 p.m on a tuesday for whatever reason in bids that's not really market price so i like to focus there and you know not really dwell on the past and and that's how kind of like i said i got pulled into the mahomes game because he's just on a on a different level in my view um i don't think there's anyone comparable to him that's in the in the younger generation at all and um, I'm investing heavy in that space. I love that. I, and I, I did, before we hopped on, I, I 
was looking at your IG and in your bio, you, you have set the market, which I think is a fun perspective and what you just described. Um, that is your brand. And that's what you're saying. Um, Kevin, I, I can imagine that just in your chase on Brady and Manning stuff, you've been in similar situations that um, Robert maybe just described. What, what's your reaction on, on his commentary? Is that something that you've been through as you've been navigating your uh, Brady and Manning purchases? Oh, 100%. I mean, first off, I'm completely on board with Mahomes. Um, and it, it pains me to say that as a diehard Raiders fan. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny because I'm the guy who shows who's the diehard Raiders fan whose favorite player is Peyton, who has the showcases full of Tom Brady. So people are like, what the hell is this guy doing? But it's, you know, story for everything, right? But chip investor, I don't, I don't do much with prospecting and stuff like that. I'm more, you know, I'm not about the, the high risk, high reward. I'm more the lower risk, maybe lower reward. But after seeing what Mahomes did, you know, in that Super Bowl last year in the playoffs, as Robert alluded to, literally down almost every game, incredible comebacks, the flair, the intelligence. He's a likable guy. I think that, you know, likability of players is something that's not talked a lot about in the hobby in terms of their collectability and their markets. So I think the fact he's a likable guy helps him in a sense. Um, but he's he's the real deal. Um, I definitely, you know, probably around the March, April area of this year, I definitely converted, you know, a good chunk of Brady into Mahomes. I'm glad I did because his market really started to take off over the summer. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely sitting on, you know, some nice numbered prism stuff and, and things of that nature that I posted on my page. All Brady and Manning for the most part, but there's definitely a, a space where I have a decent little stack of Mahomes stuff that I'm going to hold long-term because I definitely believe he's the real deal for sure. So, um, like I said, I'm a blue chip guy, blue chip investor. In terms of overpaying for stuff you believe in, I'm completely on board with that. You know, I'll kind of throw out one of my little collecting secrets that I think a, a car that I think has a lot of room to grow. Tom Brady's first flawless patch auto from 2014. It's his only four color flawless patch auto up until this year. They had some nice stuff come out this year, but bigger patch windows. It kind of gives me, kind of has that limited logos feel to basketball um, and kind of how those things just completely shot through the roof. I think it's his best patch auto out there on card auto. So I have three of them. The last one I got, I definitely overpaid slash overtraded for, but it's a card I believe in long term. I think has a ton of potential. So when you see something that doesn't pop up often that you think, has a ton of potential, trust your gut and go with it. So I'm, I'm definitely completely agree with that philosophy. Yeah. And I, I think I love that perspective. And I think just so much of like the, the recent hobby is all about like buy and try to wait for the performance and sell and flip. And so like everyone's always trying to get, get prices on cards that are lower or at market value, but like the narrative when it comes to bigger cards and cards of legends really needs to be centered around what you guys are talking about, where these aren't cards you're like looking to buy and sell six months later. These are cards that you're looking to hold and have maybe all the way into the grave because you believe in these guys and you believe that these are legends and you believe their cards are going to continue to appreciate over time. So with your current portfolios of players and cards, like how, how do you think about them on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you thinking about them like, all right, they're my cards here. And this is, this is, I'm going to let them sit and I'm going to keep adding to it. Are you continuing to try to evolve them? Like what, what's your perspective, like on a, on a weekly, monthly, annual basis with your current PCs? Maybe you can yeah, take that so, one first, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, um, I'm definitely one of those people that flips to fund the PC. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to. The, the the market, as I alluded to earlier, has just blown up so much. You know, you 
10K, I think five years ago, would have got you Wales. It would have got you two, uh, two Brady championship tickets, you know, which are just insane cards now. 5K card today is like a Drew Lock RPA this offseason, which is like now a thousand. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, I, I look at the RPA market. I think a lot of people, um, this is the National Treasures rookie patch autos. There's going to be a lot of people that lose big because the Mahomes effect has kind of carried that market up by being the bar setter. And people are seeing these public sales of the cards that trickle out. And they're like, okay, if this Mahomes raw does 60K like it did a week ago at PWCC, uh, a Kyler Murray should be 20K. Well, right. no, Kyler Murray should be 2K maybe or 5K. Mm-hmm. We don't know, but I wouldn't tie everything to Mahomes. You see the same thing in basketball. I don't, I don't do much basketball, but. Same thing, the Luca effect. So if Luca's this, Trey Young should do this. I don't really know about that. You know, Luca's Luca. Um, but but I kind of similar thing. I'm more of a, a blue chip guy myself. Um, you know, I, I look at the the kind of segment of a player's career in three ways. So you have rookies, regardless of how touted they are coming out of college, they're small cap stocks that first year. You know, even if they have a, a mega first year, it could it could tail right off. So, you know, until, you know, maybe Mahomes is the anomaly because his first full year, he was the MVP and the second year won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you, you don't really know. Um, and you kind of wait for that jump from like year one to two and two to three. So like, let's throw that away um, and, and kind of look at the, the career um, of these big guys, you know, uh, kind of while they're still playing. So the blue chip guys like uh, Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady when they, well, when Peyton was playing and now Tom. They've kind of done everything they need to do. They have the stats. Um, you know, Brady is a little bit different, but if anything happened to Brady today and he can never play another snap, you know, his cards might not even dip, period. Then you have Mahomes, which is converging on that, um, but he's still, a lot of his his kind of price is is based on future performance. So it's a little bit different. You can't kind of say it's apples to apples. But once the guys retire, then you look at, kind of the brand and the body of work. So the body of work is done, but then what is that brand that follows the player around? So Peyton Manning, I think he's still kind of undervalued. I had two BGS 10 SB authentic rookies that I moved to get the the black, um, the black prism Mahomes spin it from, from MC sports cards. Um, and, and then, you know, you kind of look at, you know, what, what's their body of work you know, how, um, you know, how in focus they are. Um, I think, like I said, Mahomes is a good combination of, of kind of Brady and Manning. And then it goes to, to rarity. So that's that kind of art component that gets thrown around in the card game. So, you know, a champ ticket Brady, once he's retired, you know, he can't throw any more Super Bowl or he can't throw any more touchdowns, can't go to any more Super Bowls, but the body of works there. And then what's the technical grade? How rare is the card and how good is it to look at? So, um, I, I think there's different segments of the market, but I, outside of Mahomes, I'm much more aligned to the kind of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type. You know, a lot of the careers kind of baked in, and if you buy at the right time and the right stuff, you're not going to lose ninety percent like you could on a you know Sam Darnold RPA, for example. Right, Ke- Kevin. What, what's your uh, reaction response to that? No, I completely agree. I mean, that's I I, I told you I'm a, I'm a I'm a lower risk low reward type guy. Um, and I've been collecting paid manic since I was eight years old. So I'm always going to have a bias there in terms of saying that his market's undervalued, but I truly believe it is. I, I think he's one of the best buys in the market. I mean, look at his body of work. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely agree with what Robert said about, you know, post career, 
you know, having a brand. Um, he's also, you know, less than a year away from a Hall of Fame induction. I think that's that's something that definitely is going to help his value for sure. Um, I also definitely agree with the whole idea with Mahomes' market right now and how it's almost like he has three to four rings already built into his value in a sense, um, which is another realm of possibility. I think it's a lot more difficult than people might think in terms of winning a Super Bowl in the NFL. Um, you saw that with Peyton. I mean, I you know, it still bothers me to this day that he only got two rings and what happened to him in Indy was a tragedy in terms of, you know, his body of work in Indianapolis and having one ring. Um, that's, I guess that's a conversation. We've, we've kind of talked about that, Brett, a little bit, but um, that's that's probably a whole other podcast episode for another day. But, um, you know, I, it's, the market just amazes me right now where things are, you know, and, and it, it, I have two buddies right now, very good friends um, who are jumping in the hobby. And, you know, they're like, what, what, where should I go? What should I do? What, what's my direction? I'm like, well, I mean, you, you collect what you like, first off. You have, you have, you have no cards, so collect what you like. But it, it's, it's tough for me to tell some friends, hey, listen, you need like, you know, 20K right now to get some good cards because that's really how the market is, you know? So it, it's, it's incredible. It, it does sad me in a way, the sense that it, it's kind of priced the little guys out, you know, so to speak, um, especially when it comes to wax. I remember going to the, the card shop you know, in Franklin Mass when I was younger and, you know, taking 20 bucks and getting like 10 packs. I mean, 20 bucks gets you like a half a pack now, you know, so <laughs> the times have definitely changed. Um, it, it's it's a learning curve, you know, for everybody in the hobby, um, but it, it's definitely nice to see the hobby becoming so mainstream um, to the point that I have buddies who know that I do this, who are texting me now, asking me questions about it, kind of maybe wanting to get involved. Um, you know, there's that whole theory and idea out there right now about alternative assets and how you know, having your money in different areas is, is a smart way to go. And I think a lot of people are, you know, a lot, there's a lot of big money coming into the hobby. There's, that's no secret. You know, and I, I think a lot of people are kind of gearing toward that direction. And, you know, sports cards are fun, especially if you're, you know, a fantasy football guy, a gambler. It's kind of it's kind of all that, you know, wrapped in one. So I, I think it's why it's 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 in the mainstream now. I think it's here to stay. And it's it's somebody who's been in the hobby for a long time. It, it's great to see. Absolutely. And just I, I have to react just because of the Peyton Manning conversation. and just being someone who's was inside the RCA dome and Lucas oil for almost every game he played here in Indianapolis. Um, it definitely pains me that only one Super Bowl came out of uh, Indianapolis, but that one is one I'll cherish forever. But in just looking at, you know, you look at Brady's prices and it seems like that makes sense. And then you look at Mahomes prices and it's like, well, that kind of makes sense just because he's the best player in football right now, even though the knowing that hype is usually typically factored into all of these uh, current uh, studs and legends or future legends within sports cards. Then I, I look at Peyton Manning's prices when I got back in the hobby and I couldn't understand it. Like I talked about it last week, even like his Bowman 10, which is under 250 pop is PSA 10 Bowman rookie card base card is half the price of Josh Allen's prism, which makes absolutely no sense to me. So to me, like, it's not like I'm trying to broadcast this because I buy Peyton Manning cards just like you, but it seems to me just in terms of, is it an element of Manning being out of football for five years while his prices are low? And will those bump back up once he gets into the hall of fame next year? What, what's your guys' perspective on the Manning market? Yeah. So, you know, I was positioning myself when I got back into the hobby. Um, it, it was probably about two years ago, actually, that I made my first purchase and it was a BGS 10 pop 28 uh, Peyton Manning. And then I didn't see one for a year and I bought that one too. And I paid 
3,500 and 4K for them. Um, I think they're like 15, 20 now, but it was basically an undervalued story. And yeah, this, this market's a bit, it's a bit weird. I mean, I think even Brady's prices might, you know, kind of stagnate a bit right when he retires, because I think there's a lot of new money coming in and everyone wants the, the new thing. So like Joe Burrow, you know, two has started this weekend, you know, Herbert's a nice surprise. But the, in, the, in reality, there's only going to be five, 10 guys that are playing in the NFL now if you, if you take out the guys that are going to retire in the next like five years. So like, let's remove Philip Rivers, let's remove Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady. So, and, and look at maybe like the, the last three draft classes. So like, okay, Kyler Murray, um, Mahomes, Watson, you know, Darnold, Wentz, et cetera. The pecking order behind Mahomes I think it's going to just kind of rotate around. We're not going to know who like the number two, three, and four guy is every year. I also think there's going to be a phenomenon of money moving out of a guy like Lamar Jackson into Mahomes, you know, that whole blue chip thing. Because when I look at like the risk of, and not to keep it all on Mahomes, but when I look at the risk of, you know, a- any, any star football player um, going to, to kind of that alternative, um, you know, investments point, you want there, there's basically three things that could happen on the downside. You can have an injury, you know, a, a career-ending injury, or just an injury that kind of changes the the player, an off-the-field incident, or the player could just like not be good anymore. I think with Mahomes, we can remove the last one. You know, like a guy like Russell Wilson, we could remove the last one. But you know, Kyler Murray, we don't really know. We don't know what Kyler Murray is. You know, it's his, his second year. He looks pretty good. He throw he throws the ball up. He gets numbers. And then when you look at you know in equity, for example, company could smash earnings, but it's COVID, so the stock goes down, or you know they issue guidance and the stock goes down, or the market's down. And I guarantee whoever wins the Super Bowl this year, their card from today is going to be higher if they win the Super Bowl, no matter what what the, whoever the quarterback is. Even the boring one that no one wants to invest in, like Jimmy Garoppolo, which was weird. His stuff didn't even budge last year, but that's beside the point. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's 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 a very interesting time. I think um, you know the, the the Manning stuff. He's he's a blue chip brand, and he's kind of still relevant, you know, on television. And money's going to pour into that. I think you kind of saw a similar phenomenon with Russell Wilson, except he's still playing. All of a sudden, this summer, people realized that Russell Wilson was good, you know, out, out of nowhere. And everyone was a big, you know, all, all summer Instagram, undervalued, always undervalued. Oh, it's also first year prism. The first year prism thing blows my mind away. I like shiny cards too, but it took eight years to realize that first year prism was the thing, you know, for the hobby, which is fine. I don't have really any, so it, it, it kind of stinks. Um, I wish I had a gold Brady, you know, sitting around somewhere. But, you know, I, I think. You want to be ahead of those big shifts where the market just decides that this is the thing that you want. And if you're in the kind of right player or the guys you feel comfortable with, and it's a blue chip kind of guy, it eventually will happen. And that kind of goes to the point of, you know, is this a hobby or investment? If you're in the cards that you like, if you're in the players that you like, it almost doesn't really matter. But if you're dropping 10, 20K on a guy that started three or four games, then that's more of kind of a business trying to make some money kind of thing, in my opinion. No, no, I'm with you there. And just valid points on Russell Wilson. I think we all saw that uh, this summer, especially. And then he went out and He's playing like Russell Wilson has basically always played. So it, it's just funny how it all works. Kevin, I want to hear your response just on 
the Manning market because you're deep in the Manning game. What's your take on just Manning, his prices, what you're seeing in terms of just um, when you're looking for cards to buy right now? I'm a big guy in terms of like, you know, comparing players. So like for me, like you, you brought it up earlier and you look at Brady prices and you see that there's room for Manning. I think there is. I mean, I don't think Manning's never going to be where Tom Brady is price wise. He's probably never going to be, you know, 60% of where Tom Brady is price wise. And rightfully so as much as that pains me once, <laughs> you know, I, I spent, I spent so much of my life hating the Patriots and hating Tom Brady, you know, then I finally just said, man, I I'm, I'm, I'm a hater. I just got to get over it. You got to respect the greatness, you know, and that's kind of when I made that conversion to, Brady stuff, which was right before the Falcon Super Bowl, which timed up pretty well. So that was, that was, that's beside the point. But, you know, I think that Manning market has seen a huge bump over the past year. I mean, I, I obviously follow it very closely, um, but, you know, stuff that was selling for, you know, prime example, I, I, I paid 200 bucks for his BGS nine Bob's Chrome refractor. I think that's, you know, three, $4,000 card now. Yeah. So we talked about the Luca effect and the Mahomes effect earlier. There's definitely a Brady effect in that sense because people say, well, hey, look, you know, Tom Brady's refractor, BGS not refractor is doing 20K. All right. Why is Peyton Manning still under a G? So you definitely see that. I also want to touch upon the whole kind of getting ahead of the curve idea. I think that's so important in the hobby. Because I mean, listen, it's a hobby for me, but I, I definitely sell cards. I mean, you're going to see a story sale on my IG page tonight. You know, I'm going to sell some goat stuff, hopefully while the goat's strong for 303 TDs tonight, right? Because you got to gotta sell some cards to buy some cards, right? But I think, you know, trying to find areas that are undervalued is, is very important because number one, it's real fulfilling when you, when you hit, you know, but number two, you can, you can be able to, all right, Hey, I found a market that I thought was a little soft and I, I got into it and, you know, now it's, it's going strong and I can now flip that for higher margin and be able to buy Baker cards. I mean, you know, I, I've, you talked to me three, four years ago and it, about getting Brady rookies and people like, well, they're so expensive. I said, okay, so if you're priced out of Brady rookies, let's go to the shiny stuff market. Like go to his early tops Chrome stuff, go to his early finest stuff, go to his early Bowman Chrome stuff, you know, and I loaded up on that. I, I really, you know, probably as of like two years ago, I kind of stopped buying Brady rookies because they got, you know, so damn expensive to be blunt, but I just started getting refractors, you know, and it, it, it and it's nice now to see, I mean, his early tops Chrome stuff and fine, because I'm not, I, I'm, I'm with Robert in the sense that the whole first year prism, first year optic, first year, it, it definitely blows my mind. When you you got his first year tops Chrome cards that are close to twenty years old, which aren't it's, they're not equivalent, but I'm still loading up on that type of stuff because I still think there's a ton of value with that really you know refractor stuff and, and, and things like that. So it's really it, it keeps it fun when you can you know say hey listen you know I everybody else is focused here, but I see something that I think has potential here, and you roll with it and you know go what you got. A lot to be said about doing that in cards and in life. 100%. Can I touch on that? Yeah, for sure, man. Go for it. Yeah. Three quick things. Uh, one, yes, the goat's gonna throw for three hundred and three TDs tonight. Have them in all my bets. Uh, I, hope, I hope so. You don't lose two Super Bowls to the Giants. Leave New England. Watch New England implode and right. not play with all your shiny toys on on national television. So that's gonna happen. <laughs> the Brady Manning thing is funny because the same reason I was buying Manning two years ago uh, and really a year ago is the reason I was buying Brady instead of Manning. So yes, I'm a Tom Brady fanboy, TV 12, the GOAT, you know, love Tom, whatever. Uh, I'm a Tampa Bay fan. If he's playing Mahomes in the Super Bowl, I'm still going to go for Mahomes because I don't have any Brady, you know, uh, <laughs> power cards anymore. But I basically was buying Peyton Manning because he was so cheap relative to Brady. Yeah. And the body of work, yes, Brady's body, overall body of work is better. But it's that like that rivalry is there. They're always going to be tied together. 
And Brady shouldn't be 20, 30, 40 X men. He should be like, you know, two, three, four X, maybe like depending on the card, whatever. And that's when I was, you know, when I was buying the Brady stuff, Brady's contenders, it, it wasn't number like Peyton Manning's was, I think, to 200. But, you know, I was, I remember in my head, because I, I know what I sold them for, I know what I bought them for, two or 3K for a BGS9 contenders while a Peyton Manning was going for like 15, 20. I'm like, hold on, this guy has no rings. You know, he's a regular season quarterback. No, no, no offense. I mean, he's, he's really good, but I was like, I, I I've heard it all. I've heard it. I, all. I, 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 don't, I don't understand the math. And now I'm like, oh, wait, okay. He has, he has to, he's, he's probably, you know, the thing is, I think when Tom Brady passed Joe Montana on the ring, Joe Montana fell out of the goat category. Totally. Totally. He, Brady has six. And what's the difference? So if you don't have the most, you have the second most, but that's that's like saying, okay, is Terry Bradshaw the second best ever? He has four rings. Joe Montana, if you look at him on all the stat lines besides having four rings, he's not anywhere near the top. Peyton Manning is, and Peyton Manning has two. And you know, Brady could have ten, Peyton Manning could have five, like it is what it is. But and then kind of going back to this, um seeing seeing trends or or seeing things before they happen. I could be completely wrong, but I think outside of 2000, which you could almost say isn't the, well, it's definitely not the ultra modern era um, of cards. It's still the modern era in my view. Um, so I don't feel you know too old about myself, but 2017, anything, that's going to be the most expensive box of any football card outside of 2000 contenders, I think ever going forward. So 2017 Prism, anything of anyone you could get mm-hmm. rare, wax you can get, 2017 national treasures forget about it first off the line forget about it i think getting you know i've i've been loading up on tom brady rare 2017 prisms anything you can get out of that that set you kind of tying the prism in together with you know mahomes year is going to be key i think and i could be totally wrong and if, if i'm wrong i got a bunch of cool tom brady cards from the year i got my mahomes you know collection so i'm fine with that kevin you're doing that right <laughs> well it's it's so funny because it's exactly what i'm doing I mean, you saw my, my live the other day, like for every Mahomes 2017 prison work you have, I'm trying to get a Brady to pair with it because I completely agree. You know, these modern sets, like, you know, the flare basketball Jordan set. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I completely agree. It, it's literally exactly what I'm doing. You know, it's just funny it was brought up. Yeah, two, 2017, one last point. 2017 is going to be Tom Brady in 2017 is going to be Michael Jordan in 2003 basketball. You're going to have... Uh, Michael Jordan in the LeBron year, and you're going to have Tom Brady in the Mahomes year, guaranteed. I love the take. Um, I like it. One, one more topic just before we get out of here, because it's been touched on, but I think this is like the most important thing, and you guys, it sounds like, have a really good handle on it, but I've got like this stack of just slabs, stacking slabs. I've got this stack, and I'm just learning now that be patient, get some cards that you don't give a shit about, and then you get them all and then you can sell them to the market. So then you can get capital. So then you can go buy big cards, like what we're talking about here. So it's taken me probably six months to realize this game. And a lot of it is just patience and a lot of it's discipline. Um, but maybe just touch on it just in closing. Cause I think this is a topic I get DMS about. And I know every, a lot of people who are back into cards are curious. What, what is the, the game plan from both your perspectives in terms of flipping cards in order to fund your um, big boy purchases? So I, I think that over the summer, and I definitely fell into this trap too, when the market just exploded, 
there was definitely this whole fear to sell mentality. Um, people like wanted to hold their cards and want to sell stuff because, oh man, I just sold this card for one like K and now it's three K. Like what, what, what am I doing? And now I should, I should hold it now and it'll be six K. Right. So I think that, you know, as somebody who, you know, we talked about the fact, unless you're in the 1% and you're filthy rich, you can keep everything. Right. And we, we see guys out there who are on IG have these unbelievable collections. Yeah. I think, I think of Nat Turner, you know, a guy who just loves the hobby and it shows everything and, you know, it, it, it's awesome to see. Right. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not Nat Turner. I don't, I don't think many people are. So, I mean, when you have to sell cards to flip, you, you can't be afraid to sell. There's something to be said about, you know, taking a profit when you can and moving on. You know, that's when I, I kind of go back to that whole, you know, don't keep an ex-girlfriend folder. Just let it go. You know, because if, if you're in the fear to sell mentality, I definitely fell into the trap. I mean, there's some stuff, you know, over the summer that I probably should have sold that I didn't. And now it's worth, you know, 30, 40 percent less. But it is what it is. You know, unfortunately, I get into it earlier, so I'm not taking a loss. But, you know, it kind of went from a fear to sell because the market kept exploding. And then all of a sudden, once the market dipped like 10 percent, it was like, holy crap, everybody's selling. So I, I had a conversation with one of my buddies on Instagram, and we talked about the fact that there's so many rare Tom Brady cards popping up that we haven't seen before. Because it's like, all right, now everybody wants to sell because it's like the market's dipping a little bit. So we got to get out now. So it, it just going back to how the market has amazed me since March, you know, when you think about the economy is collapsing during COVID and the sports card market is, is going through the roof. And, you know, now, now what's going on now, it's kind of leveling out a little bit, which is fine. I think it's healthy for the market as well. But you can't have a fear to sell mentality. You know, you can't have the, oh, I don't want to sell now because it could be worth this. Now, at the same token, you got to have stuff that you believe in long term. I know that Robert has that. I have that. You have that. I, many people have that. So that's stuff I believe in long term. I you, you might see me hashtag coffin card sometimes in my, my post on Instagram. Because when I have a coffin card, it's not going anywhere. That's a long-term card. That's either getting buried with me or it's, it's getting sold way down the line to pay for kids' college or retirement you know, house or whatever, beach house down the road, whatever. But you got your coffin cards, you got your long-term stuff that you're going to hold, you're not going to sell. I think that's important to have. And it, I mean, unless you're just doing this full-time flipping, wheeling and dealing, you, you're going to have cards you're naturally attached to. But at the same time, you, you can't have this fear to sell mentality. You know, Once you sell something, Take your money, you know, invest it how you want, put it into something else you want and move on. And that's it. Love it. Robert, what do you think? Yes, I'm a huge relative value guy. So a lot of times my two daily searches, I don't want anyone to steal these from me or get ahead of me on these, but I refresh these pretty often. One out of one in in, in the sports card segment um, of eBay and 2017 Mahomes. So, you know, especially in this COVID world, working from home, I probably refresh it a lot more um, than if I was in the office. But I like to have as close as possible to a first pass at any one of one that hits eBay and any 2017 Mahomes rookie. And if you put RC in, you miss a lot of stuff. Um, so uh, a little, little helpful hint there. The Mahomes market, I would say, especially the rookie market, which is basically what I focus on, I think I know pretty well. So if I see something that's underpriced, I don't spend a lot of time researching it or trying to reassure myself. If I have the capital, I'll pounce. So an example of that is my BGS8 Red Prism jersey number Mahomes rookie. I got that off eBay within an hour um, when it was listed by an hour best offer for like 4K. And I don't plan on selling anywhere near that because it's jersey number and you know red team color. But uh, I'll buy stuff all the time. That has nothing to do with my strategy of Mahomes or Tom Brady or whatever. If it's a one out of one and I think it's too cheap. So I think it's Laveska Chenault on the Jags. Can't even say his name. I haven't watched him one snap. 
but I bought his one out of one mosaic black prism. I think the no huddle version like a week ago, just because it popped up on eBay and I knew it was too cheap. And I know what like the Joe Burrow would do roughly in my head. So I bought it and I'm going to flip that hopefully for double or triple in a short amount of time. And I'm going to pump it back into my homes and that's how it's going to work. And funny story on the 15 to 15 NT, I am not big on Lamar Jackson. I'm very vocal about that if you DM me. And uh, fine if you are. I think last year was an amazing season for him. But Cam Newton had a MVP similar-ish season. And he's, you know, he's not in the same realm as Mahomes and a lot of people aren't. I bought his booklet National Treasures rookie one out of one with the NFL logo for 550 after his rookie campaign and flipped it uh, in January after he got the MVP into an 8.5 national treasures, which I effectively sold the next day for 13K that went towards the 43K purchase of the Mahomes 15 to 15. Had I not done that move, that 13K wouldn't have came from nowhere and it wouldn't have happened. So I'll buy stuff even if I don't believe in the player, if it's the right car. And I'll put it into the right player, even if it's not the right card afterwards. So that's my kind of take on that. Uh, and I love this coffin card hashtag. I'm definitely stealing that. Um, you know, my my best friend at home, the, the conglomerate sixty nine on Instagram, you know, basically says, "I'm like smog from uh, from the Hobbit. I'm gonna die with my Mahomes one on one." And I, and I and I and I believe him. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Has, hashtag, hashtag coffin card, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope, I hope, I hope everyone has a notepad out because part of the reason why I do this show is I follow these people and I bring them on the show so I can learn. So I learned a ton from both of you guys. I think the, the key takeaway for me is that you got to be proactive. You got to have activity, being proactive, having activity leads to flips leads to more cash leads to bigger cards that's my key takeaway but everyone go follow um these two guys kevin de captain 37 and that's the old price my man robert thank you both so much i know you've got busy lives and i appreciate you jumping on today thanks for having me man really appreciate it thanks guys have a good one did you learn something in that episode? I sure as hell know I did. Man, that was good. So many key insights, so many stories. I love that kind of stuff. I can take it and I can apply it to the way I'm operating. Hopefully you've learned something in that episode that you can do the same thing. Go hit follow on those pages, man. The Captain 37, that's the old price. Just outrageous P Manning, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes cards, just all over the place. It's amazing. Go hit follow on those. And if you like what I'm doing over here, hit the follow button. Most importantly, tell a friend in the hobby. Get your buddy that is thinking about hopping in the hobby to listen to Stacking Slabs. Do that. Do that for me, would you? Would appreciate that. Hopefully, uh, you stay safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be watching AEW Full Gear this weekend. Yes, I will. Also, Notre Dame Clemson. Man, tons of good stuff. Good football going on. Everybody stay safe. I'll be back next week. Peace.